You're listening to Once, episode 133, New York City Serenade. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. We're so happy to have you listening with us as we discuss this episode, The Return, finally, and getting in-depth with the episode, New York City Serenade. It's the 12th episode of this season, and this means we're on the home stretch. I'm starting to get a little sad already but why the wait won't be any longer between the end of three and the beginning of four than we just finished but we only have a 10 more episodes mm. okay <laughs> by the way i want to mention <laughs> that this episode is brought to you in part by audible and i'll be telling you more about their awesome service in a little bit but let's get into talking about this episode with a few connections with past episodes with this because this episode had a lot that was very similar to past episodes. It did. It we did. actually, before we get too far in, we have something that is not as similar to past episodes of this podcast. Oh. In our new co-host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Aaron normally hosts with us on our Wonderland podcast, so it was just very natural for me right. to be hearing her voice and just move on with the conversation. But yes, Aaron is joining us as our official regular co-host for the main part of our episode, but we'll also be joined a little bit later on by Jacqueline and Hunter. They'll be able to add a, an additional input and then they'll be talking some spoilers after we close the episode. So you'll get a lot of great perspectives in this episode. Yeah. You'll get some male perspectives, some female perspectives. You'll get spoilers. <laughs> you'll get spoiler-free conversation. You'll just get everything. Everything. And yeah. the whole enchilada comes with this podcast, too. Good, because I'm hungry. <laughs> but some of these crossovers. Aaron, what were some of the ones you noticed? I noticed a lot of similarities to the pilot. And then I noticed a couple of lines um, that Hook said that were very similar to lines that Henry said to Emma when he was trying to get her to believe in the first season. Well, like um, some of the specifics. So Hook, uh, when Hook was being taken away by the police in this episode, he said to Emma, they need you, your family needs you. Which is exactly what Henry said to Emma in the episode Apple Red as Blood, which is uh, 121. It's when Henry kind of like crashed Emma's car and said, like, we can't leave because your family needs you. And then even her, him like frantically yelling, swan, swan, is very similar to when she kind of ditched him for the first time on the, at the top of the beanstalk. So it's kind of like little tidbits that maybe like kind of shook her memory free. A couple of the things that I noticed are, and our forums also noticed this, we've got a great discussion already going on in the forums, are specifically some connections back to the pilot episode with specific crossovers, like the song that was playing when Emma walked into the restaurant hmm. to meet with Walsh is the exact same song that was playing in the pilot episode of Once Upon a Time. Which is oh. weird, because I would have thought it was different. Nope, same song. They're uh, filtered slightly differently, but it is the exact same song. That same like kind of 
jazzy sort of song. And some other similarities are, I wondered when we first watched this episode, how is it that the curse made everyone change clothes like that? (laughs) (laughs) Well. And why is there blood on Charming? What happened? So the curse created a city and transported people across worlds and changed their memories. Then it took them back and you were concerned with the clothes. <laughs> I'm trying to fill in for Jenny here. <laughs> I think they're the exact same clothes that they were wearing, with the exception of Snow White, because I actually noticed that that they were wearing when they were cursed. Right? Yeah, they are. Uh, the queen is wearing a very similar thing. It has, I think this time she was wearing more of a jacket that she wasn't wearing in the pilot episode. But uh, Charming is wearing the same shirt. Whoa. And the blood... And Mark's there are from the pilot episode when he had the sword fight with baby Emma in his arms. (laughs) They definitely, (laughs) they took some liberties with the costumes because yeah, when they appeared, they looked the same as they did when the curse hit them. And then as they're getting ready, you know, I I guess to sum it up, making preparations means a whole lot in the Enchanted Forest. (laughs) It's well, like they're going to be oh, on good. horseback for days. They have to look. Charming somehow got his like his vest thing and his cloak. Where did all that come from? He wasn't wearing it when they were cursed. He wasn't wearing it when they reappeared. But suddenly he's got all this stuff. Maybe there was a clothes horse that walked by. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> then Snow had this nice jacket too, and yeah, Snow actually had like if if they were being true to them going back to the same outfit that they were wearing when they were cursed snow should have been wearing this like pregnancy night dress thing right so that was different than what she had on well because she had like a cloak and jacket on even when they first appeared so that wasn't really what she was wearing after just having given birth in the hospital or in the castle yeah because jenny goodwin is actually pregnant right now right but they can't show that in the past enchanted forest because she's oh. not pregnant yet, but they can show it in Storybrooke where she right. is now pregnant. So that's why in Enchanted Forest we're going to see her wearing a lot of loose outfits like that right. to help cover that up. As long as it's not a pink cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just made her like body transport somehow with Aurora so that they didn't have to fake the pregnancy. <laughs> It'd be perfect. <laughs> Speaking of the clothes, even Neil appeared in the clothes he was wearing when he was taken away by the curse. Well, oh, wait. Yeah, that's that's the one that doesn't quite communicate. It um, never worked because people not brought there by the curse shouldn't have been taken away by the curse, but that's okay. But Rumble's girl, or Jacqueline, who will be joining us a little bit later on, started this thread in our forum with some of these other things to point out. Like, here is a prince riding to his princess down a road. That's how the pilot started. Yeah, and also f- how season two started. Yes. And season three? No, no. season three no. actually didn't start with a horse. It didn't. Yeah. But the mid-season finale of season one did start with a horse in the title frame where it says Once Upon a Time. That was the episode Desperate Souls. So it was the dark one, the original dark one on his horse in that title frame. But then... Uh, the season two mid-season return, it was called The Cricket Game, started with Hook. So it hmm. starts with an H, but it wasn't a horse. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that in both of the the season one premiere and the season two premiere, they were riding frantically on their horse for a very specific 
like heroic purpose, not because they were late for their picnic with their pregnant wife. (laughs) Well, I think some would still call that heroic. (laughs) All all the pregnant wives out there would call that heroic. (laughs) Because after all, she was starving. She couldn't eat until he got there. So he was her hero. And the horse was motivated because he was like, got to get there before she's hungry enough to eat a horse. There was um, a thing that Henry said to Emma that made me think of Emma's original apartment. Uh, The way that she entered her apartment after her date with Walsh was very similar to how she entered her apartment in the pilot after catching the the bail jumper. And then Henry said something like, you can I can see the writing on the walls. And that made me think of Emma's door had all the writing on it in her original apartment. And then Snow White's apartment in Storybrooke actually had tons of writing on the wall as well. That one might be a little bit of a stretch, I'm going to say. Probably. <laughs> but let's get into... Coming from Daniel. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I'm the one with all the stretch marks. <laughs> let's get into this conversation, uh, starting with what we know from the past. It's uh, Enchanted Forest and... A little bit of what we know about Storybrooke we'll get to in a little bit. But starting out with this scene when Philip, the hero for the pregnant, hungry wife, comes in, there's a hidden Mickey Mouse. Did you catch it? No. What? On the tray with the plates. When it looks down at the plates, there's a big plate with two other plates above it in the shape of a Mickey Mouse head. Well, we'll have a screenshot in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 133. And also in that screenshot, since it's looking at the tray and all that good stuff, there is a shot of the food. And I thought the difference between the two plates was actually kind of funny. So go look at that. Is one like <laughs> pickles and chocolate and the other is no one is muffins? Great. Unless they were going to share everything, because they're like two smaller plates, so maybe they were going to just take from each. But it looks like one is sort of like bread and meat, and the other one is all fruit and cheese, grapes and cheese. But maybe they were going to share. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently, they were living in that gazebo. <laughs> I wondered that, too. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the only place they could think to run for shelter, and they didn't even get inside of that. <laughs> the horses were pretty smart, though. They took off as soon as they saw it. Of all the people that came back, did you notice someone that we haven't seen in a little while? I did. No. <laughs> Whom? Uh, Ruby was in that shot, and she was not there when they were taken from Storybrooke. She and was? Tink- yeah. And Tink was actually missing, and she was there when they were taken from Storybrooke. I have two screen caps of each one. Yeah, so they didn't... You saw Granny there, but you didn't see any dialogue from her after that. Ruby was there. The Seven Dwarves were there. Belle was there. We didn't hear much from her until later on. But yeah, Granny and Ruby were there, but we never heard anything else from them. So maybe they came in just for that one shoot, or maybe they were even digitally added to the scene. I kind of doubt that. But Ruby was in her Red Riding Hood outfit, with even with the basket in her hand. But was it actually her? Like... Mm -hmm. It wasn't a fill-in actress? It it looked like her? It looked like her, yeah. I couldn't tell... Well, I couldn't tell a couple things. I couldn't tell how much Aurora was supposed to be showing, since she's supposed to be pregnant as well. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling for a moment when the cloak moved, because I was looking for that, that she's not showing at all, because she's not really pregnant. But <laughs> um, it kind of helps place this in the timeline, since the last time we saw them, it 
clearly has only been a few months. Yeah, the last time we saw them was when Neil was with them. <laughs> right. And we learned that Aurora was pregnant mm-hmm. when Mulan went to try to confess her love, but then turned away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was right after Neil left, before Neil came to Neverland. So yeah, a couple or a few months. Right. But just barely enough to show, or not showing enough that everyone else noticed. Because remember, Snow said congratulations, and Aurora said, is that is it that obvious? Well, that's true. So probably it's... So it's not like there was this big baby belly, and it's like, are you pregnant? <laughs> it was just like, congratulations, I can tell you're pregnant, even though you're not showing much. How long did the whole Neverland thing actually take? A few months, I think, is what we're supposed so? to assume right is that what sounds about right Aaron? yeah but it was in neverland so that's why i'm not clear because technically the time wouldn't have passed the same they still seem to have nights and i felt like well that's true so that's fuzzy then well and in the chat room they're saying about a week and that's what i thought which (laughs) would make it actually make more sense but time is different there well yeah and then there was the time back in storybrooke for a little while when Peter Pan was disguised as Henry, but that really wasn't that long. That was maybe a few more days. Yeah. So, yeah, not not enough time for a major baby bump to develop. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Moving on with then after this, and we're going through this chronologically, so we're going to stay in talking about the past here. When uh, Philip and Aurora gave this little debriefing with the game, they mentioned that the ogres have been defeated. And the ogres seem like this big opposing force that were referenced several times about, oh, we can't go back because they're ogres or we're going to have a battle. And here it's just, oh, the ogres are defeated. Yeah. So it was kind of like, check, done. But maybe, actually, okay. So we know, we know about the Wicked Witch now and we know they were referencing her. Maybe she took care of the ogres. Mm. I'm actually wondering if she had anything to do with getting Philip back in the first place. Somehow. Which could be part of the reason they haven't told us the story yet. Uh, and Maybe she came in and wormed her way in. That could make a little sense as well with the idea of, uh, remember that they said their child might be in danger? Amanda had sent in some feedback about this, wondering basically, why is it that Aurora and Philip are so afraid? Of the Wicked Witch, assuming it's the Wicked Witch, which I think that's the right assumption. And they talk about for the sake of their child. And Amanda brought that up. And I think what you're saying connects that, that maybe there was some deal there, another deal for a child. (laughs) What if she She has a rumple streak? (laughs) She might say dearie or darling. (laughs) I also wonder is maybe her defeating the ogres because i was thinking maybe the same thing that she helped defeat the ogres or just defeated them herself maybe that's how she rose to power in some sort right because i'm going to assume she's in power not just she's taken this castle seems like it she's definitely made the residents fearful of her so however she might be ruling but it does seem that philip and aurora are in power of their own kingdom so it's hard to know for sure like they did refer to their kingdom and that Snow and Charming were welcome with them. And like they did seem to have ownership of that. That's true. But maybe, maybe like that gazebo and the surrounding five acres are their kingdom. Yeah, that's possible. 
Like, this is our castle. The Wicked Witch takes a lot. (laughs) What did you think about Aurora in this scene, Erin? I was not happy with Aurora. I feel like she owes a lot to Snow and Emma because of what happened in the first half of season two. They were really protective of her and kind of mentoring of to her and snow really helped her with the burning red room dreams that jeremy's so fond of (laughs) so it's to me like even if she didn't say hey there's this big evil by the way and she's in your castle and you should probably not go there she could have somehow communicated that something was not right in some way that would vaguely leave her still innocent in the wicked witch's eyes well i do think philip has a point that this group can take care of themselves, probably. Mm, yeah. And so they're making a decision to protect their baby, their family. Although it's, yeah, it's kind of like, well, should we let that third degree black belt walk into that gang that's about to beat him up? Or should we tell him, hey, there's a gang that's about to beat you up. I know you can take <laughs> care of yourself, but you might want to know this. Right. And they can take care of themselves. Like they've taken back what, like two kingdoms or a kingdom at least in their in their history. But they don't have, you know, food and shelter and weapons and all those things that they had the first time around either. They're all disoriented and we are both and and that kind of thing. So it's not really on even playing field to what they were when they were first in the Enchanted Forest. Yeah. Although their old timey speak is strong. <laughs> Sister. <laughs> well they they don't seem very both if that True. makes sense they're all they're speaking in very enchanted foresty terms again and acting very much like their old selves maybe it's kind of like an accent like <laughs> i have a few people i know that are from the south but they've lost much of their southern accent but when they go near southern people they get some of the accent back they just kind of inherit it back a little bit unconsciously (laughs) then should they all be talking in british accents (laughs) (laughs) yeah well as everybody is packing up to head out toward the castle that's when jiminy cricket comes along and we don't get to actually hear rafael sabarge's voice but we kind of see his representation right but they said that 50 more people had come and they were farther away. <laughs> yes. So I like that they're just giving that that us that nice little answer to say that, yes, yes it's not just this group, but everybody else <laughs> has come. Probably the entire kingdom is back. Right. They're just scattered all over the place. Right. And Jiminy was not with them, correct, when they were transported over? So he probably traveled from that other group to tell them? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Okay. That's what I was assuming happened. They do need to address the Tinkerbell thing. Because, yeah, I don't know. That needs to be addressed. Because um, Tinker she was wasn't, there. but she wasn't in the. It's it's kind of like Neil, right? She wasn't in the Enchanted Forest when the curse hit. She was in Neverland. Yeah, True. but Neil went back, right? Yeah, and yeah. Hook went back, right? And they all stayed together. That group. So originally, I was saying maybe you know they went back to where they, not where they were, but. With the people they were with, kind of. Yeah. And that would more or less work for that group because other than Hook and Neil, because the the dwarves and Snow and Charming and Regina were all together when the curse hit in the castle. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't work now with anything else because Tink's gone and 
Neil's there and Hook's there. And <laughs> I wonder, what is Neil hoping to find in Rumpelstiltskin's castle that'll help? I know later Belle mentions that they never saw the dagger, but Neil was really interested in, oh, if our thanes came back with us, maybe we can go by my father's castle. For right. what? Oh, who knows? Because blood magic. <laughs> <laughs> Even if their things didn't come back with them, Rumple already had a stash of stuff at his castle that we saw earlier this season when Neil was trying to get back to Emma. Yeah, that's so true. that would make a lot. It would make logical sense to go there because, as the Dark One, we know that Rumplestiltskin had some foresight and he might have known about this and planned. You know, that's what he does: <laughs> planned a way back. Yeah, but I wouldn't see that Rumpelstiltskin would have foreseen something like this right? and planned for this. If they show that, I think that might be stretching the line a little bit too much if yeah. he planned this somehow. He did plan something for Neil and his castle before, though, correct? Supposedly, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he, he had items there, probably because he did plan to at some point return home. So also as they were packing up to move out, Hook left which is rather unimpressive but uh should we forgive that because ultimately he came back to get emma later i guess yeah and we'll we'll probably have some more i know we've got some more feedback and theories on that when we talk about the present day it's kind of more along the lines of what i'm saying that suddenly everybody went back very much to their original personalities Regina was even borderline like Regina again. I was yeah. kind of start I was starting to get afraid. I was like, like evil queen Regina. Yeah, yeah, I'm like you cannot go back. You just that's stupid. You can't, but she didn't seem to be. I don't know. So I was frustrated when he left, but knowing that already that he came back, I guess that's fine, whatever. Cuz you just need a pirate moment. By the way, on the point of Getting Rumpel back, I love Neiman Marcus sent in this theory <laughs> saying, I'm thinking that if Belle and Neil are able to bring back Rumpelstiltskin, it could be the same way that Aurora and Mulan resurrected Philip. Considering that we still don't know how that event unfolded, this may be the way it will be explained to the viewers. Hmm. I wonder, going back with one of the previous theories that we raised here, if maybe this wicked green lady can... <laughs> Truly touch other worlds, like Hook referred to later on. And maybe she was able to pull, just simply pull Philip back, and maybe she'll be able to do something very similar to pull Rumpelstiltskin back from wherever he might be. Mm, maybe. It is. I, yeah. It's possible. <laughs> I thought it was funny that Bell's like, we never saw the knife. Do you mean the body? Because everybody else is saying we never saw the body. <laughs> the knife, I would assume, would go poof, along with all the power it represents, and along with the dark one and everything else. How does that give you hope? We never saw the knife. <laughs> is she saying that he didn't use that dagger? Or is she just saying it... I don't know. I don't know how you can prove something from nothing, like, we didn't see the dagger. Wouldn't it make more sense if you did see the dagger? Well, no, because... Like, hey, the dagger still exists. That must mean... I don't know. There's a dark one out there somewhere. Right. Well, what we'd theorized before, I think I'd put out the theory that if Rumpelstiltskin were to kill himself with the dagger, that it would destroy both himself and the dark one powers. 
and the whole dagger and everything along with it. So I think that might be what they're implying. So if we see Rumpelstiltskin again, I think he would not be the dark one, maybe. He would be like Kane limping. Yeah. Original Rumpelstiltskin, maybe. maybe. How original? Yeah, sure. <laughs> He's had like many, many models. That's well, all very confusing, but we'll see. <laughs> as everyone's moving out, Regina becomes another person to rip out her own heart in order to not grieve. And uh, I wonder if her mother ever told her, by the way, if you're ever having a bad day, this will help. Just <laughs> rip your heart out and you'll feel much better. You stick it in the ground. It was well, sad, I think, though. I think when Cora died, Regina realized that the reason she never cared for her is because she didn't have a heart. So that could be why Regina feels like that might be a good idea. So that if Cora could never love her, then Regina couldn't love Henry and couldn't miss him without a heart. Yeah, it is a you know reasonable thinking for the way that this show works. But it was great to see Regina still taking that step of putting the heart back in. Right. And yeah. we know from what Hook said in Storybrooke that Snow and Regina will eventually work things out within yeah. this next year. Interesting. I really liked the conversation between them. I liked when Regina realized that Snow knew exactly what she was going through because she went through it with Emma. And uh, and I just, I liked the bonding. It's kind of like throwback to back in the flashbacks when they were actually friends, kind of. Well, now Sarah, one of our listeners, had a bit of an issue with that. Because as she points out, she said it bugged her that uh, of Mary Margaret or Snow, she was cursed five minutes after giving up Emma the first time. And then it was about a whole eight hours after the curse that sent them back to Enchanted Forest that she was dishing out that advice. When did she have time to learn this little piece of wisdom? (laughs) That's a good point, though, that, yeah, it's Hmm. when and how... Did she learn about overcoming (laughs) loss? Unless it was the loss of her father. Because Emma was already there. Well, although there was definitely some grieving that her daughter was grown. Yeah, she was back by the time Snow woke up, but they missed her whole childhood. But I think that they grieved for that. I think that like they had lots of discussions about that. And I don't know that grief is kind of the right word for what I mean, but sacrifice. Like Snow definitely understands the sacrifice in that five minutes after she had Emma and decided to put her in the wardrobe, that was a sacrifice that she made that was like heartbreaking for her. And it's the same thing that Regina had to do to Henry. So it's, it is definitely similar. I think, I think Regina understood that Snow kind of knew what she was talking about. I wonder if the flying monkey that was hiding nearby had its eyes on the heart and was planning (laughs) to try to take the heart actually because imagine what the green lady could have done. <laughs> I just like referring to, by, to her by her color. Oh, Is that oh. racist? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it's not easy being green. <laughs> Maybe she's an Andorran. But um, imagine what she could have done with Regina's heart. Whew. It's a good yeah. thing Regina put that thing back in. Um, killed her? Or... <laughs> Controlled her, I guess. Yeah, done some terrible things, maybe made an even worse potion than whatever it is that she's making right now. But that flying monkey comes in, and we know now that flying monkey is actually Walsh. Because the <laughs> Robin Hood shot the flying monkey on its left side on its neck. And 
as our chat room caught, and we didn't see this when we watched it, right. because we watch on this inky-dinky little standard definition TV with an <laughs> antenna that is made literally uh, out of a piece... wings. No. Out no. of a piece of two-by-four wood and wires drilled into it. That's, it is. That's our entertainment setup. We'd love a sponsor to help us upgrade. But anyway, so we couldn't see... <laughs> <laughs> that Walsh had a scar on his left side of his neck. But then when I rewatched it in the full high definition version that we get from iTunes, it's clearly there. So I got some screenshots of it. We'll have those in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 133. So you can see that, yeah, arrow shaped or arrow sized scar on Walsh's neck. Do you see that when he's a person? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying is when he's in fact, in the opening scene when he's with Emma, that's where I got the screenshot from because that's where I could see it the best. It's oh. right there. So very clear. And then it's everywhere else that um, <sighs> we see Walsh. That scar is there, but it's harder to see at other times. I liked kind of the connection to the Wizard of Oz with the flying monkeys spying on everybody. So that's what the green character is in the wizard of oz who may not be the same green character that we're talking about today but that's what she did to dorothy and her posse of people she had the flying monkeys kind of hiding out and spying and reporting back to her but not trying to scratch them no well this is once upon a time yeah and that was to get blood <laughs> walsh is yes. just one talented monkey i mean he can scratch an evil queen and keep her blood on his stupid claw while he flies who knows how many miles and then prances around and drips it in a bottle he can you know be a dude i don't know he's a pretty talented monkey and, and he, oh, can, and he can fly pretty romantic and he has a fun yeah. sense of humor yeah I yeah. mean, except for the whole evil part, I think he's a good guy forever. <laughs> I don't know. And the teeth. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, and the eyebrows. Except for the trying to kill her thing. Well, as long as we're talking about the attractiveness of one person, Regina <laughs> has now met Robin Hood. <laughs> I'm not saying he's attractive, but Regina might think he's a little attractive. Snow kind of... Snow <laughs> clearly does. Yeah, hinted at it. But I did wonder, uh, we got to meet little John... He smells like forest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who was missing? Now, Robin did say these are some, a, a few yeah. of his merry men. But you know who was missing? Mulan. I do. Yeah. Mulan. Yeah. So I, I kind of wonder where is she? Is, but in fact, a woman. Yes. To yes. quote Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> but it was cool to see them meet. And we know... I mean, we can really assume that the next several episodes will be that they'll start to fall in love, which will be, I think, neat to see Regina not only working out her differences with Snow, but also falling in love again, like Daniel had told her to. Yes. If that happens, because they're going to have a few obstacles, you may see. Actually, we probably will see that because it'll make it... All that much more poignant when they don't remember each other in Storybrooke. Are they not going to remember each other in Storybrooke? They don't remember anything. In fact, I assume he'll be in Storybrooke, oh. but we don't even know that for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. They don't remember the last year. Right. So he'll either be there. Oh, when we get over to that side of the discussion, I've got all sorts of thoughts running around my head. Hmm. Well, they're there now, but I just will, you know. Hold them in till then. Like little fairies. <laughs> but what? moving on, when they get to Regina's 
kind of castle which she married into. Yes, that was nice of her to bring up that point. <laughs> I, I loved her little reference to one of the other fairy tales. I'm going to find out whoever's eating my porridge. Nobody sits in my chair. Nobody. You, <laughs> except for the grammar. I hadn't noticed. That's two references to the same fairy tale. Two? Well, maybe not. Sit- I was just thinking sitting in the chair, but it's sleeping in the bed in that fairy tale. Oh. Uh, and the chair. Yeah, and the chair. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, I thought you meant that there was another reference other than this. No, sorry, just two within within that one sentence. It is funny that she would just reference it like that. <laughs> the writers probably have a lot of fun just throwing these things in occasionally, kind of like the Jack Spratt who could eat no fat or yeah. something yeah, like that. Yeah, his wife could eat no lean. Yeah. So between the two of them, they licked the platter clean. But it kind of makes me question now whether it was or wasn't significant that Regina mentioned being turned green by spells in season two that's true yeah when rumpelstiltskin gave her the magic book she Uh said i don't care if it turns me green yeah (laughs) which that is a whole topic of discussion in our forums by the way oncepodcast.com slash forums it uh because obviously those of us who remember that having been said are now sort of wondering and I wondered at the time, did she say that because that's a thing? Like, she's witnessed that, or... So maybe she knows the green lady. Maybe she knew her before she was green. I am assuming she knows her because of what the green lady said. She said that she wanted revenge. Oh, so you yeah. can't really have revenge without some kind of a prior relationship. Slurpee's, Slurpee's 108 in our chat room is suggesting that maybe the Wicked Witch is Cora's daughter. Uh, yes, yes. So making her Regina's sister. Sister. At least half-sister. And that's actually the rest of the discussion in the forums. <laughs> I believe yes. there's a hashtag or a, some sort of a ship name or something, but, you know. <laughs> we need a more complicated family tree. Thank you yes. for that. First rule of Once Upon a Time Everyone's related. And and speaking of complicated, again, with using the word lousy to mean lots of, because Robin Hood said it, we're lousy with weapons. (laughs) I know. And I'm just like, well, maybe I should find someone who's good with them, Derry. I I wrote that down and then I thought that that was from the ramen noodle. So I didn't put it in the notes here. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was... Back when Greg and Tamara were looking around in Storybrook, Greg said, yes, this town is lousy with magic. And I'd said back then that I thought, well, what's he mean? This town is bad with magic? And and then someone had pointed out that actually the word lousy can mean uh, having an abundance of something, which just blows my mind then. Yeah. And so this is the second time they've used it in this way. Lousy with them. I'm so ashamed. (laughs) So we have a lot of them, but we're really bad with them. No. <laughs> He's saying they have a lot of weapons and a thick camp and a good place to stay safe in Sherwood Forest, which must, must be attached to the Enchanted Forest. Well, what if Sherwood For- Forest is lousy with winged monkeys or, you know, some other nuisance like <laughs> lice? But, you know, speaking of Robin Hood... We got some confirmation in this episode that he is not the one who trained Snow. 
on how to shoot arrows so well. Yes, we did. Oh, he just did not seem to know each other. Yeah. He just said that they were next to each other on wanted posters. He wasn't surprised at all that they were all back either. I might add, but you know who he was very happy to see bell bell. And I didn't understand. I just didn't. Cause bell saved his wife's life. Yeah, but, Bell, didn't but yeah, he didn't. He was like, Bell, my old friend that I saw a lot at some point in the past. We got to know each other really well, and I've really missed you, and I haven't seen you in forever. How are you? Let's catch up. But well, no. <laughs> even when Neil met Robin Hood, Robin Hood said that Rumpelstiltskin saved his life, and so Robin owed Rumple a debt. So it's. Again, how did he know that? Maybe these things like people tell him, his wife said, oh, did you see the guy up there with the lady and the lady stopped the arrow from coming down and <laughs> killing me? I don't know. Maybe maybe he saw a glimpse or, or just knew somehow. I did notice a look that Robin Hood gave. I don't know if it's significant or not, but when Neil said that Henry was with his mother, it seemed like that closed the conversation for Robin Hood a little bit. Like it seemed like he didn't, I don't know. There was just some look that made me think of his wife and wonder, you know, all the things that we don't know about that relationship. And like, we know she's not around, but we Mm. know that she had the baby, obviously. But we do know that Robin Hood wears Sherwood Forest number five. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) But it's not doing him any good with his soulmate. So he should probably pick something else. Like maybe mayoral office number six or something. Something Regina would appreciate. Heart power. It's, <laughs> it's funny that Regina said that because her office in Storybrook was looked like a forest, did it, it not? It didn't smell yeah. like a forest. I guess, but it kind of just seems weird that she always had that kind of familiarity and now she's saying, yeah, but he smells like forest. If he <laughs> smelled like a horse, Regina would like him. Because <laughs> remember, true. Regina loved the stable boy. And when the stable yes. boy was dead, who did Regina first think of as the thing she loved most? Her prized steed. Her yeah, horse. So I guess if it doesn't smell like manure, she doesn't think it's love. <laughs> No wonder why she buried her heart. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't understand. Maybe she's just smelling forest because her heart was buried in it for that five-minute period. (laughs) So while everyone is outside and Regina discovers that her castle is protected by someone else's protection spell, inside... very green protection spell. It was very green. Well, there's a lot of green in this episode. Go back and watch how many times there are... There's even a green lady. (laughs) Well, yeah. And speaking of her, this green lady has taken over and the Wicked Witch. And she's familiar to us. Let's call her the Emerald Empress. (laughs) I like that. She's familiar to us from where, Jeremy? From Lost. Oh. She was somebody later on. We can name her. Charlotte. She was Charlotte. Uh, and we can't really say a whole lot. Whom more. we met in season four, I oh, think, of Lost. Maybe season four, four. or season five. And she Gosh, played. I forget now. Yeah, she Never played a I little would. bit of a role there. A little bit. So it's it's just strange to see her then in this role painted completely green. <laughs> I mean, it's yes. strange to see anyone painted green, right? 
I'm like, we knew you when you weren't green, and this is weird. And her hat is annoying. <laughs> What's with her hat? It was crooked. That's the, the That's style. the style. I know it's the style, but it was kind of obscuring her face, and she needed to just fix it. It's really sharp, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> I noticed that her hair was, was red with perfect red little curls, which I thought was a little bit strange of a Wicked Witch to have red curls. It made me actually think of Glinda from The Wizard of Oz, who had red hair. Red hair? Didn't she have she red hair? she was blonde. I thought she had, like, strawberry, blonde, red hair. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, the actress is actually a redhead. Yeah. <laughs> it just made that. me wonder if that if that is... I guess it's not significant if it's just because the actress has red hair, but they have changed hair color for roles. Well, here's one interesting theory on this green lady <laughs> that came in from Gareth. Gareth said... I'm almost certain now that the black fairy is the green lady. I imagine that her wand would have been returned with everyone and everything else. It can move souls between bodies, so perhaps it can turn people into flying monkeys or vice versa. I think uh, the world the black fairy was exiled to was probably Oz, or perhaps that is a world she ended up in while trying to return to the Enchanted Forest. That's from Gareth. Interesting theory. Yeah, that, that is, is interesting. a good theory. Because, yeah, she's green, but she was dressed in all black. Right. So that that could be. Yeah, and she's saying, you know, wicked is more than evil. And we haven't seen her with a wand yet. She did have a very significant looking green emerald pendant yeah. around her neck. Maybe that's where she gets some of her power. Or some of her green. Maybe it's cheap. It's kind of like those copper bracelets. <laughs> yes. That turn your skin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think you'll get to just color the green lady for very long. Well, what do you think is her story here? Here or yeah. overall? Overall. Well, I don't know. And, and And if you're listening and you're confused by certain things that we might say, we are spoiler free ourselves not our other co-hosts who will join us later they are not spoiler free but we are and we don't watch the commercials either so if we say things that you already know are not correct because you've seen a commercial that's why that being said i don't think i think she will be in storybrook and i don't necessarily maybe but i don't necessarily think that she will be green in storybrook she could be it could go either way with the rest of my theory on what's going to happen there. You think she is in Storybrooke now, then? I do. I think if she is green because of some magic, like we discussed previously, that would make a lot of sense. Because every kind of piece of magic like that has, in the past, when they were transported to Storybrooke, all of that was undone. Like, Jiminy was a man again. And, right. you know, Mary Margaret had a pixie cut, which has nothing to do with magic. But Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> didn't look like the dark one. Um, there were, like, Gus Gus wasn't a, a mouse anymore. So those were all seemingly kind of curses. And they were rectified in right. our land. Yeah. Now, if you want to learn more about this green lady, what her history <laughs> is, and more about Wizard of Oz... I've got something really cool to tell you about, and this happens to be our sponsor for this episode. 
Audible. Check out audiblepodcast.com slash once. This is the place to go to get over 150,000 different titles of audiobooks, fiction, nonfiction. You can get bestsellers, worst sellers, maybe if you like that kind of industry. <laughs> but if you go there and look, go to audiblepodcast.com slash once and just search for Wizard of Oz, you'll find several different versions and reading styles of the wonderful Wizard of Oz, the original book by L. Frank uh, Baum. Bron- barn? <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> and uh, there are different ones. There are abridged, there are non-abridged, there are dramatized, just for that book alone. And you can find it in many different voices. But here's the really cool thing. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash once and you can get a free audiobook. And it's yours to keep. You get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook that you can keep even if you cancel your trial. But I think you'll be really happy with the selection that Audible has. So you'll probably want to stick around anyway, because if you enjoy listening to a podcast, you'll probably also enjoy listening to an audiobook. So check it out at audiblepodcast.com slash once. There are so many things to choose from. And even if you're not interested in The Wizard of Oz, you could pick anything else as your audiobook of choice for your free audiobook. They've got such a huge selection, over 150,000 audiobooks. I can't get through that in my lifetime. Maybe you can try. (laughs) That's almost depressing. So try it today. Get your free trial and a free audiobook to keep by going to audiblepodcast.com slash once. And thank you, Audible, for your support. Well, we definitely do want your feedback, but this episode that we have right here will be the conclusion of our main discussion about this episode of Once Upon a Time, New York City Serenade. But you can continue the conversation in the forums and on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 133. And for each new episode that comes out, send us your theories by emailing feedback at oncepodcast.com, call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221, or you can go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website. So now let's move on to the present. Starting out with this scene that is supposed to be New York City, and did you catch the Green Tower right in the opening scene in New York? It didn't actually look like the Empire State Building in this shot, but when it when it shows the aerial view flying over, and we see and we hear that music that was the same music as from the pilot. The Emma's wearing heels again. Music, yes, impossible heels, (laughs) as someone in our forum said. There is a tower that the top of it is lit up green. It doesn't look like the Empire State Building. I think it's a different tower. The Empire State Building is later on. But the the tower is green, and Emma is again wearing a red jacket. Well, she's in red this time, I'll say. Uh, last time she was in a red dress. This time she's in a red jacket, but it's not her red leather jacket. Right. It's more of a formal one. I thought the menu was kind of funny that they were eating at the Austria and one of the items on the menu was Dungeness crab cake. Wow. <laughs> and there were So Belle was working there. <laughs> I mean, what? Ariel? Ariel? There was also <laughs> duck several times on the menu, and I wanted to see Chimera on the menu. Oh, <laughs> that oh, would that, be really Turducken. Turducken would have been good. Yes, Turducken. that would have been good too, but neither of them were on there. The only thing I could see that was of any kind of interesting connection was the Dungeness crab cake. (laughs) But this scene seemed so familiar and so much like the pilot scene. 
But I think they wanted us to think that at first. For a second. Yeah. Because since he referenced her work right away, clearly he wasn't part of it. Should have been. But there were so many cool crossovers with that. And so it was neat how they they tied that in. Yeah, he just, he seemed to know her so well. And that makes me so uncomfortable. (laughs) Now, now it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we actually have a thread in the forum about uh, funny lines that Emma can say about her <laughs> dating this guy that's, <laughs> that's she's been dating a monkey and that's one of the lines is yeah i've been dating a monkey for eight months <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have <laughs> we'll have a link in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 133 where you can check out some of these other lines but uh, here are a couple others from this his favorite game is monkey in the middle he looks so sad when they're at the zoo in the primate section. <laughs> These are signs that Emma should have noticed who Walsh really was. Right. Um, his favorite band was the Monkees. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only family he mentions is an uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one you have to think about for a moment. And his favorite Disney character is King Louie. And his cell phone ring is a clip of, I want to be like you. Nice. I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. Talk like <laughs> And that's the extent of our copyright. Whoa. Fair use policy. Fair use. Fair use. They had a lot in that conversation, including that she remembered fire having destroyed her apartment in Boston, which is clever. Helps explain yes. why she doesn't actually have an apartment and she doesn't have any stuff starting out. She didn't, I'm sure. We kind of wondered that when she left with Henry and the Beatle. Where were they going? What was their story going to be? How were they going to explain that everything they owned, which wasn't much, was in that car? Yeah. yeah. Fire. Perfect. I do question their choice of route if they were driving from Boston to New York, because I'm pretty sure I d- I'm not <laughs> great with American geography, but I'm pretty sure that Storybrooke would not be on the way. Maybe everything seems hazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's Maybe. my guess is that they just decided to drive and at some point they stop and think, oh, we're going to move to New York. <laughs> or she had business in New York, maybe. Yeah. that Lots of bail jumpers there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And they often work at, well, I won't say. But <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and can we officially refer to her superpower instead as her, like, her superpower or... <laughs> Or her sometimes helpful work some of the time power. Well, it is nice that we know a little bit more about how it works. And I think it makes a lot of sense because we may have even discussed it from this perspective before. That it's not that she's actually perceiving truth, right? Right. It's that she can tell if someone is lying. Yes. Okay. But here's here's where I object they they reference it directly at the restaurant because Hook brings it up. So she can tell that he believes he's telling the truth. But for eight months, she couldn't tell that a monkey was pretending to be a man. <laughs> well, maybe she never asked him, are you a monkey? <laughs> so, she's, so maybe it doesn't work on animals pretending to be people who are telling the truth. I don't know. Maybe he... 
did not lie in that eight month period about anything. I feel like his very presence was a lie. <laughs> well, he is quite clever, really. Plus, he said he loved her, but if he was, if he actually kind of liked her, then he didn't love her. So yeah. that was all a lie. Maybe where her heart is involved. Maybe when she's in love with the monkey, she can't tell that it's lying. I don't know. I think, I like I said, I don't think it should be called a superpower. It can be called a an occasional ability, not a superpower. Well, she sees it as a superpower. Well, that's cute. Well, that's just <laughs> how she explained it to her ten year old that showed on her up on her doorstep. <laughs> I guess that's true. I did want to say about Walsh, um, as soon as I saw him, I thought of Alice in Wonderland, which made me automatically assume that he was a fairy tale character. Um, I have no idea why I thought of Alice in Wonderland, or I didn't at the <laughs> time. Uh, and then I realized that he reminds me a lot of Martin Short, the actor Martin Short. Oh. Again, not not totally sure why, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe his mannerisms. And um, Martin Short actually played the Mad Hatter in one of the TV movie versions of Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) That's funny. But I originally, I was like, maybe he's from Wonderland. I don't know. He just reminds me of the Mad Hatter in his physique, I guess, like his his look. But um, that automatically made me assume that he was not totally on the up and up. Huh. That's funny. Yeah, I think the green was supposed to be one kind of hint. But then again, the thing with colors, it's one of those things that you don't really recognize until the very end. Well, and it wouldn't have been a hint. It was only hint-ish for people who already had been spoiled and knew what was coming. Slurpees108 in the forums shared that maybe a little hint to his identity was the restaurant that they went in. I mentioned it was the Austria. Yeah. The Oz Tria, maybe that's a knee slapper. It's probably accurate as well because in the logo there is a tree. So if you separate tree from Austria, it's an Oz tree. Oz, yeah, tree. (laughs) I just I did look up that restaurant name, wondering if it was a real place because I know uh, I think it was in the episode Manhattan. One of the restaurants was actually a a real restaurant in Vancouver. I I think. But the only restaurant with that name that I could find is actually in Greece, which could explain the tree. I don't know. A lot of Greek restaurants here have trees in their logos, but that is good. The Oz thing I didn't think of. Now, there is actually a hidden meaning behind his name. And Matthew Paul, one of our other moderators on the forum, uh, he helps out a lot over there. Thank you, Matthew, by the way. Uh, Matthew did a little research on the name Walsh. And it's a hidden meaning. Remember, like, Dr. Whale? The name Whale was from the director of the uh, original Frankenstein movie? Yes. Well, the name Walsh is probably after the actor Pat Walsh, who played Nico, the head of the flying monkeys in the film The Wizard of Oz. The name could also be a reference to the musician Steve Walsh, who is the lead singer for the band Kansas. And there's a link to the Wikipedia that we'll have, uh, both of these Wikipedias that we'll have in the show notes for this episode, number 133. The name also means foreigner, was something that I discovered about the name Walsh. So if you Google like Walsh surname meaning, it means foreigner Hmm. or stranger, I think was the other one. It all works. Well, he, uh, do you think that he could have (laughs) 
multiple personalities for lack of a much better term. Like if he's if he's a guy, okay. And the reason I ask to back up is because I mean his whole proposal it was also thoughtful. He's when he wants to be, he's so good for Emma. He kind of makes normal men look bad. <laughs> so is it possible? I feel like he can't be a an actual primate. Okay. He has to have been a man at some point and maybe is cursed to be a flying monkey, which we've already kind of speculated. Could he have kind of like, like the real him maybe that maybe even does love Emma. And then when he kind of has to switch to monkey mode to serve the wicked witch, blah, blah, blah. The, the other sort of wicked personality starts to come out. Is that, I mean, maybe am I reaching is it possible he wasn't awakened to who he was until Emma was? Could that have been? Ooh, maybe. Well, I mean, if but the yeah, scar was seem... right, then he's been a monkey before. Mm-hmm. But if, like, if the Wicked Witch sent him there, which we're guessing she did, right? she could have cursed him somehow in that nature. Could be. Yeah. He, so... he did seem very legitimate, genuine authentic it was just too good of a lie and it's so creepy (laughs) (laughs) i even want i would have wondered more if maybe there's a real walsh and it he wasn't the monkey until the night that we found out except for the scar if it weren't for the scar i would think that we had not been seeing the monkey even the entire episode but Mm. i think we were it's just so creepy i don't really want to believe it do you think it's been the same Walsh since the beginning, like that was in the furniture store? We'll see, maybe not, because there was all of that information. That was the other thing. It's like, okay, how would they make her walk into a furniture store where he's already set up? Wouldn't it make more sense for him to copy someone she already knew? Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. maybe that's all. Maybe she met him the one time and then the monkey took over. I don't know. And is the end table going to be significant (laughs) sounds stupid but there have been other pieces of furniture that have been significant in this show in the past and there have been other people who have been pieces of furniture in the past maybe i feel like she would have been better off having a relationship with the end table probably but well speaking of other people who are pieces of furniture here's a great theory uh in the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums, and I'll have a link in the show notes. Remember when Walsh and Emma come out of the restaurant, one of the first views of them is through a side view mirror <laughs> on a car. Really? A taxi cab. Taxi, yeah. So the question was raised was, is someone watching them? Oh. Maybe August. Not August. Not August. <laughs> he August. would have been cursed back in... Yeah. Right? August yeah, that's the big problem boy. I see with that theory. We haven't seen Geppetto in quite some time. If we're going to stick Ruby in a scene where she probably shouldn't be, we should probably put Geppetto and Pinocchio in, too. <laughs> Just saying. But it did seem like maybe someone was watching them. Just for that brief second, because it showed through the mirror instead of just showing directly. But then again, that could have just been a cinematography thing that they wanted to do just to show a different angle. Cinematography? 
Cinematography? Yes. <laughs> Want some hot chocolate with that cinematography? Um, yeah. She- plus, she was sitting there. No, she wasn't. She chased the guy. It reminded me of how she left the restaurant in the pilot where she chased him out to his car and then chased him. Suddenly, I'm getting a mental block and forgetting how that scene went yeah, exactly. She just, he was trying to run away. Oh, she had like car. a boot on the car yeah. or something like that. And she just yeah. walked out. So that's why I was thinking of him sitting there. Yes. So that's what it made me think of. But anyway. I did wonder if somebody was watching just because, well, obviously not Regina, but Regina has done that quite a bit in Storybrooke watching uh, Emma and Henry's interactions in her car. But I just assumed if somebody was watching that, maybe it was Hook because he had just been there and he maybe wanted to see if he shook Emma up enough or. Yeah. And that's where it would make more sense. If someone's watching Emma, it would seem like it would be Hook. What happened to King George? Because we also saw him sit in a car and watch people. That's true. And also, he should be back. Somewhere. Yeah, there are a lot of people that should be back somewhere. I guess Sydney Glass is in a mirror somewhere. Cinderella? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when Emma goes back to the apartment, she starts playing Diablo with Henry. (laughs) But one of the things that stood out to me in this scene is that Emma described Neil and her memory of Neil is exactly the same as it was before, which makes sense because all that the curse, this new curse affected was Emma's memory of since she arrived in Storybrooke and also her memory of Henry that she now remembers keeping Henry, but she still remembers Neil in the same way. But it, yeah, it almost would have been nice for that memory to be changed to the, he died a hero kind of story that she told him before. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. When Henry said, don't worry, he won't be like my birth dad or whatever Henry said, I thought maybe he was going to say, he won't die on right. you. <laughs> on <laughs> on not you. quite the wise advice, though, that Henry was trying to give instead. I thought that that scene kind of showed like their closeness. Like we We know that Henry has had so many issues with people lying to him in his life being Regina. And then last season he had this whole thing with Emma lying to him and like trying to protect him. So to me, that was kind of, it was endearing to see that he knew, he knew the whole story as far as Emma knew. Um, obviously not anything she had forgotten, but he knew the whole story and they seemed to be in a, like a very understanding place. Like they had such a good relationship. Yeah. And Henry does give some Good advice at times. Like the next morning, just uh, when he's asking for the permission slip from Emma, he gives this little bit of good advice. You're always looking for something to be wrong. You don't have to do that, you know. Sometimes it's okay to accept things that are good. Which reminds me a little bit of what David once said to Emma about finding the good moments. (laughs) And life is made up of moments. That whole speech. Yeah. (laughs) One of the interesting little tidbits we got from this is that Neil lives at 89 Wooster Street in New York City, New York. Yes, he does. 10012 if you want to send him some messages or I something. I was going to say, is that significant somehow? Well, I did look it up. Okay. And there's nothing really significant. Oh, is it, it the is actual an actual address? Go? Yeah. It's, well, it looks very similar to how 
that looks here, but most of their filming is done in Vancouver, not in New York City. True, uh, when they filmed true, true. Broken, they did film that in New York City, but most of this is filmed oh, in okay. Vancouver uh, because of how much cheaper it is to do that. But uh, it is, yeah, you can look it up on Google Maps and look around. <laughs> so uh, there was a white swan on Emma's counter, which for a second seemed like I don't know, an Easter egg or something. It's like, well, she doesn't know her name, so it doesn't really seem like that's that significant. But it got me wondering, what is Henry's last name? Is it Swan? Is it Cassidy? Probably not. It's probably Swan, but I just thought that was interesting. It's not Mills. It's not Mills, which is how he was known before. That's true. And uh, as far as the apartment goes, did we see that camera and that camera strap with Henry's name before? I don't think think so but i thought there was a time when neil said something to henry about his camera yeah because remember that's why they went back to the apartment when hook came in and stabbed rumple is henry wanted to go back for his camera then but then that's when rumplestiltskin was stabbed so that distracted him and he never ended up picking up his camera so it all fits together really nicely that, yes, his camera was left there because they had to leave the apartment in a hurry. But I don't know that we ever saw the camera before. Right. I can't remember it. What cracks me up is how much I was thinking, Emma, would you just look at the pictures? I was just assuming it was a digital <laughs> camera. <laughs> I noticed something about the dream catcher that Emma remembered in Neil's apartment. The one in this episode is broken and it was not broken in manhattan when she saw it Hmm. really it also has green beads but (laughs) it always has i think um so like i have screen caps but the side of it is like the the string that you wrap around is totally loose so there's like a big hole in it uh in in this episode so some nightmares got through (laughs) yeah Makes me wonder because it survived what like eleven years or without maybe, being broken, and then suddenly now it's broken. Maybe it got ripped when everyone was yelling. Maybe when Emma and Hook met inside the park, and Hook offers her that potion. Was that Central Park? Uh, he said yeah, he said the Central Park Zoo. I think. Yeah, I don't remember hearing it referenced. Maybe outside the monkey cage. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, one of the things that we talked about in our initial reactions was the kind of possible matrix reference here because he was offering her a blue vial and she was wearing red and she's been wearing red a lot in this episode. And then there was a very iconic red leather jacket at the end, but the red and blue thing is actually from uh, matrix and the colors are actually reversed in the matrix. The way it worked is that the red pill And the blue pill are opposites. And I'm going to read here from uh, Wikipedia says the red pill and blue and its opposite. The blue pill are pop culture symbols representing the choice between embracing the sometimes painful truth of reality, the red pill and the blissful ignorance of illusion, the blue pill. So might've been a matrix reference, but they got it backwards. (laughs) I don't think it was a matrix reference. It, It could have been one of those things where, they thought, hey, we could do a little Matrix reference here, but Emma is already wearing red so often, so <laughs> let's make the vial blue and just We have seen the potion before. Was it blue before? 
I feel like it was, yes. Okay. I could be wrong. Yeah, the same portion that... to Belle. Yeah. Yeah, and to... I mean, Lacey. <laughs> yeah, and to uh, Clark or Sneezy. I was going to say, yes, Clark Gable. <laughs> As Emma and Henry are walking back to their place and Emma pulls out those photos after she's let Henry go to eat his, of course, Apollo bar that they got from the <laughs> drugstore. It was, by the way, Halpert's Drugstore. The photos that she was looking through, we get to see them a little bit later, but the only two photos that I could get to see when she showed them to Hook later on were the one where she and Henry are sitting in front of a sign that says Storybrooke. And then there was a photo behind it that you couldn't really see very well, but you know what I did. I froze, framed it, and looked very carefully at it. And it looked like Emma giving Henry bunny ears sitting inside a booth inside of Granny's diner. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. That's well, really right. what it looked like. <laughs> so, yeah, fun times. <laughs> I thought it would have been great if there was a picture of, like, her, Henry, Neil, Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> Reunion, and then she's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that would have been crazy. I remember Neil now. <laughs> but the problem there is this camera was left before Henry got to know Neil a bit more and they they got to hang out a bit more. It was pretty That's much true. right after they met Neil that they went out for pizza and then decided to go back for the camera. And then okay. all of that happened. That yummy, honest pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Hook. It seems like every time that he gets held captive somewhere, he's fed really strange food. <laughs> and handcuffed to things. <laughs> like bologna. Yes. And blue jello, which that was in a deleted scene <laughs> oh. from the second season. Oh, really from when glad. he was in the hospital. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad Emma sent him to jail because that was, it was intelligent. It from was. What it she was knew. very smart. Plus he needed to experience baloney. <laughs> I love that said. she just whistled for the cops that they came. <laughs> I guess she kind of works in that field, but... I think she told them that he was going to meet her there. Yeah, but then whistling for them is that's just <laughs> generally not how you get a cop's attention. I guess not. Well, it's not going to quite be the whole Judas and Jesus thing. It's the man I kiss is the one I want you to. Especially in this arrest. situation, it would sort of be, it would sort of make her just as guilty as him. Yeah. But one of the things that she said to Hook when she was showing the photos is one of the other photos we can assume implies a photo of them on a plane. So Rumpelstiltskin might be in one of those photos because she said, we never took a flight from Boston to New York. And does it matter if he's in one of the photos? Well, I'm not sure that it does, but it's just that he could be. But by now, Emma now remembers everything, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was a huge amount of pictures, and I was disappointed that they didn't show more. Because she opened the camera before the film roll was finished, and she just ruined everything except a few. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) So then when they go back to her apartment for drinks... We learn a little bit more about the backstory of how Hook got here, but just not very much. We're missing major details that we'll get at some point. <laughs> it seems that Hook was in the Enchanted Forest up until and after this new curse, because he said that he received the message of the new curse. So it's not like he just realized, oh, hey, 
I'm the victim of a new curse. He received the message. And he probably knows more of what happened, although he did split from everyone back in the past. Yeah, I don't think he had been to Storybrooke yet. He went with Emma. Right. Yeah. And he said, we don't know. So there's somebody else. Yeah, probably the person who sent him the message. Right. I had a theory about that. I want to think that Neil is the other person that he is referring to only because Neil would know like about the camera and about the memories in his apartment. I guess, I guess Hook would know those things too, but I suspect that Neil is also going to split from the group just from the conversation that they had in the past. So I hope that Neil and Hook are working together to bring Emma back, I guess. But um, that's what I assumed when I heard we, I guess it could be anybody, but I think he would have gone too, though. And then they both would have tried to kiss her just in case one of them did the trick. But maybe he's cursed or something. (laughs) But there's no reference of Rumpelstiltskin, but this potion is one that actually Blue Fairy made. But Hook was only able to get enough of it for one person, not two. And why would that be? Well, you know, there's only enough power for one person. I mean, two, but I'm a lying fairy. And I'm not one of those people that blames the blue fairy for everything. I just think that she did that that time. I do think the potion is a little bit too convenient. Yeah. Because kind of like I said in initial reactions, they set us up for this major goodbye. And I realized afterward that I didn't quite explain that story very well. It's Let me try this again in short form. It's like <laughs> someone saying that they're going on a big trip and they're not going to be back for, for a very, very long time. So everyone spends so much emotion saying their goodbyes. Ten minutes later, the person turns around and says, yeah, I was never actually going to leave. I was just joking with you guys. Yes, That's kind of what I feel like here, that... You know, they did this major goodbye and then it's just poof. Okay, we're back again. Hi. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised that Emma had all of her memories back by the end of this episode. I know like a lot of people were surprised when Emma believed at the end of season one, right? That the curse was broken. So I guess that they're just keeping us on our toes with how long things take. But I was I was expecting it to drag on for at least a couple more episodes of her not remembering. Yeah. Amanda is one person who thinks that maybe Rumpel is the one who sent the message to Hook. While at the same time, Slurpees108 thinks that maybe Aurora is the one who sent the message to Hook. I think that could make some sense, too, because Aurora doesn't really want to openly help the group. But maybe she will in secret send this little secret message because as slurpee says aurora and philip seem to be in the know about the wicked witch and may perhaps they have tipped off hook just before the new curse was cast maybe it's aurora's baby (laughs) oh and slurpees points out something else funny that remember the apartment in boston was supposedly destroyed by a what Fire. fire and whom who is Henry's father? Bale oh. Fire. A little connection and there. No. Also, didn't Emma lie to him <laughs> and tell him that he was a fireman? Yes. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. <sighs> oh my goodness, you two. I'm sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> it's also possible, as uh, we've got a forum post all about this, how did Hook get to New York City? It's also possible that maybe uh, Glenda 
or one of the fairy godmothers sent the message to Hook. Maybe some character, yeah, that we haven't met yet completely. Maybe Tinkerbell. Oh, yeah. She's got a connection with Hook. One tiny little thing I noticed that was a little storybook or storybook like in Emma's apartment is she has a book end that was actually backwards, but it says the end on it. Yes. I don't know if that's necessarily storybook like, but you know what I think that means. I think that this series will have an end someday. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not there. And it's going to be backwards. Is that- yes, isn't it already? <laughs> um, Emma's apartment also had a like cuckoo clock that looked a lot like um, something Snow White would have. Um, I actually went back and looked at pictures of Mary Margaret's apartment to see if it was there, if that was an Easter egg, because it was kind of like a birdhouse. It looked like a birdhouse. And that just, it made me think of Mary Margaret and the birds. And those have been, that's been significant throughout the series, but um, there's nothing in the past that I could see. Um, Just a little, like, it's just similar. Yeah. Well, of course there's the red jacket, which Emma grabs as they're at breakfast or leaving from breakfast. She grabs that red jacket and it's been very iconic in the series as an indication of her, her attitude many times when she's worn this red jacket, especially in season one, that this was kind of her battle outfit, sort of, that when she'd wear this, it would represent a little bit more of her personality. So it was very cool to see her choosing that specifically and it just happened to look good over top of the shirt she was wearing (laughs) (laughs) i kind of thought it looked like it'd be uncomfortable (laughs) like she had these big old shoulder pads and she smashed the whole thing down with that jacket but it kind of (laughs) like matched it matched it did it did (laughs) but i want to take this moment to thank some people who are very iconic to the podcast before we move on who have helped make this podcast episode possible and you know them some of them from series one some of them from season two and on but there are kind donators who have helped make this episode of one's podcast possible steve johnson david newland lisa slack and julia portella thank you so much for your kind donations we really appreciate it it helps keep the website running the podcast running the servers running the media hosting the everything that's involved with the podcast Thank you so much for supporting it because it does cost quite a bit to run the podcast and we really appreciate the support. If you haven't donated yet and you would like to, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make a one-time or automatic ongoing monthly donation and we'd really appreciate it. But thank you, Steve, David, Lisa, and Julia so much. So this last scene, as they get into Storybrooke, it's a bit different than I expected, which I'm kind of glad for that, that it wasn't just the same curse all over again and no one remembers anybody. But at the same time, it's now a little bit... uh, Well, we're going to see the story, I think, from both ends. We're going to get the backstory that no one knows, except maybe Hook knows some details. Uh, see, I think that Hook left. Even the reference to the settling of differences and things, that's how it appeared when he left. Who knows what really happened as things went on. I assume that that's true, but I don't think he knows anything more than what happened up until he went off, probably. Yeah, that's true. I guess it depends who we are, the we that he refers to. How much he knows could depend who... Who he's working with. And I wonder if time is frozen in Storybrooke again. Even though everyone has their memories back, is time frozen? I wonder that too. 
It could be. Here's here's my big thing that I think is so cool about this. Everything looks and sounds normal. Yeah, we lost a year. That's horrible. How do we know what happened in the last year? So then morning comes. This is my this is my theory, what's happening in my head. And they go they go outside. Emma sees a flying monkey and freaks out and they're like, It's just a flying monkey, Emma. We've always had those in Storybrooke, as long as anyone can remember. What's wrong with you? And then there's this green lady that everybody seems to love. The mayor. And Emma's the like... The mayor, yeah. Yeah. And Emma's like, she wasn't... She, or maybe she's not green. But Emma's like, she wasn't here before. And they're like, what are you talking about? Yes, she was. So maybe they have some fake memories. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Well, and I wonder, too, how how long they've been in Storybrooke since that year has been swallowed because charming said oh it's like it just happened yesterday like did they just get back to storybrook that day so wouldn't they at least have kind of storybrook memories oh, yeah, happening true. that was something i was a little bit unclear of yeah when, he, when he said that well he made it sound like they literally just landed in storybrook that second and that's why it seemed like they just said goodbye to everybody I can understand that it might be a few days. When Charming says the last thing we remember, he's referring to basically the last thing of any significance besides the very insignificant events of the last few days, which have just been Storybrooke life. Right. And long enough to discover that, hey, Snow, you're you're pregnant. Did you know? I guess we lost a year of our life because I'm like nine months pregnant and that had to happen sometime. I know. It snows us. We, we just have no idea what happened. Like, okay. Well, you're expecting, so I don't know. But. I do wonder if we are going to see differences, like Jeremy said in Storybrooke, that, that we're going to know are different and that Emma's going to know are different, but everyone else is just like, yeah, whatever. That, that's always there. Right. Well, there were a lot of things that were similar, and especially with Emma coming into town around the same time, it seems, as in the pilot episode, but there wasn't any kind of spark when she first came into town. Right. But maybe to the people in town when she came in, since she's somehow the savior again, that's what Hook implied, is that she's their only hope. Maybe when she came in, that's when time started moving and people, so really, that is literally the last memory that charming hat is saying goodbye because their memories didn't start building again until she came into town maybe i do have a theory about how they're back in storybrook just because regina said storybrook's gonna be gone but then the wicked witch got her blood regina's blood so i was wondering if she's somehow using regina's blood to like reenact regina's last curse oh which would be transporting everybody to Storybrooke because that curse is done, right? Like it's destroyed. So it's not like the Wicked Witch could reenact the dark curse, the curse that Regina got from Rumpelstiltskin. She would have to kind of come up with another way to make that happen. But that doesn't really explain why. No, she's wicked. That's... <laughs> wicked always wins. And wicked is more than evil. Apparently. Yeah, it's no longer good versus evil. It's good versus wicked. And possibly evil versus wicked. 
and possibly good versus evil and wicked and possibly good and evil versus wicked and possibly people against fake monkey people. A funny irony to this is that in Boston, wicked is a word that they use a lot. Like if you, the way I learned this is actually not from being in Boston, but from being wicked, <laughs> Finding Nemo. Oh. In Finding Nemo, there's this crab that is supposed to be from Boston, and he says it's like wicked dark down there. And I watch all the commentary on all the Pixar movies, and they made a commentary there. They said that one of their crew is from Boston, and uh-huh. he's always using the word wicked. And uh, so they wanted to give a little homage to the Bostonians here by including something that's common. But it's definitely a Boston thing. Yeah, well, around Boston. Like, that New and that England, was 10 years ago. Well, yeah. We say wicked <laughs> here quite, Some not people maybe say it. quite a lot, but we, we say it in that context. And of course, people say, oh, man, that's so wicked. I feel like people then who know me would be like, oh, yeah, in Cincinnati, they talk like Gollum a lot. (laughs) Gollum and Homestar Runner. Yes, those things are big in Cincinnati. We knew this guy. I do wonder if um, everybody has, so if everyone's back in Enchanted Forest, they have their storybook memories. So they have kind of all their memories of the original fairy tales that they're supposed to be. So I wonder if, like, the first time they meet the evil queen, they'll, like, throw a glass of water on her. Sorry, uh, the Wicked Witch. (laughs) They'll throw a glass of water on her. Oh, but, you know, you're mentioning the evil queen, Regina. Snow and Regina won't remember that they apparently made amends within this last year. They should remember everything leading up to that, though. Yeah. And and they were basically on that point just about of making amends. Because they do remember saying goodbye to Emma. So, yeah, there'll be sad stuff. Now, part of the cool thing about the way that we're doing One's Podcast now is that it's not just the three of us, but we've also now have Hunter and Jacqueline on the line with us to talk about some more things as we wrap up and then share some spoiler discussion. So... Hunter and Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us as we wrap this up. Hi. So, Hunter, some of the things here that uh, you're really good at with is the connection with Disney and some yes. of the original fairy tales. So what really stood out to you in this episode as we've gotten this glimpse of the Green Lady? <laughs> We're just calling her the Green Lady because we still don't know officially for sure. But um, if it's the story I'm thinking of, if depending on which version you read... Because I'm rereading the original, but if you read Wicked, how did she become green is the big question. Hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Because in fairy tale and the Enchanted Forest, most of the people there are not other colors. Right. So there has to be a whole story on how she became green. I like the way that the new... Um, Oz, the Great and Powerful movie, portrayed it. And we did a review of that for once podcast somewhere in the 70s or 80s episode numbers, Mm -hmm. if you want to find that. And the way that they portrayed that there is it's kind of the backstory of how the Wizard of Oz came to be. And it is there that uh, this lady had loved the guy that became the wizard, but then she felt betrayed. And so she drank this magic potion and that changed her into what she became. And part of that was making her ugly and thus making her green. And if you read the book wicked, it was her mother who drank 
a green potion, a green elixir, I guess you could call it, is what they call it in the book and the and the musical. But she drank a green elixir the night that she was conceived. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I, like it. I I would really love to see how they say she became green because it's it seems to be different everywhere I read. Yeah, I have a feeling the story is going to be a little more Wizard of Oz and a little less wicked, even though they've been making quite the play on wicked is coming and all that stuff right but i mean i haven't i just started rereading the original fairy tale so i haven't gotten to the part yet and i don't know if they tell you how she turned green and that original fairy tale is available on audiblepodcast.com slash once just had to throw that in (laughs) i'm at chapter five (laughs) jacqueline where do you think uh what do you think is going on now that everyone is in storybrook well, I think the big question is, did everyone come over? And what happens if they try to leave town? Because previously in season one, bad things would happen if people tried to leave. And I kind of wonder if there's some sort of setup where people can no longer leave. And what happens if they try? Hmm. And one of my favorite theories right now, it sounds really silly. I know. But I think they might turn into flying monkeys if they try and leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, well, hold on. It's silly. Yeah, but what if that is the punishment for crossing the green lady that you get turned into a monkey? (laughs) The green lady. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Kind of of like look at Chronicles of Narnia, the people who crossed the witch there, the evil witch. um, They would get turned into stone. Right, which is different than a flying monkey. Yeah, different. But uh, there are other stories, I just can't remember them at the moment, where um, creature or people that, subjects that in some way disobeyed their evil ruler got transformed into something. David said they're trapped. I wonder if there's magic in Storybrooke. Oh, good question. Yeah. I would think so, because another big question is, did the green lady go with everybody to Storybrooke. And if she did, would she want to be without magic? Kind of like Regina in season one, where she couldn't create new magic, but she still had magical trinkets that she could control. Yeah, I could see something like that. I like kind of Jeremy's suggestion of she's the new ruler and everyone has just accepted that. Or maybe no one knows that yet. Like maybe... In the morning, they'll wake up and discover there's this giant emerald castle or emerald palace (laughs) somewhere in the city. Well, if you remember, during the episode, Robin Hood, they didn't know what that creature was. So maybe they don't even know who that she's there, at least in the Enchanted Forest. Hmm. Right. Originally, in the Enchanted Forest, I'd say that's true. Clearly, some people know she's there because Philip and Aurora did. But then... In Storybrooke, I just have a feeling she's there, has magic, and maybe everybody just has been altered to believe that that's okay. The only reason I questioned the magic is because of my theory that she might be trying to reenact or use Regina's blood in some way to reenact her original curse. And her her whole curse was a land without magic, right? And then Rumpelstiltskin had to do the spell to bring magic back into Storybrooke. Now, Jacqueline, I know that you discovered a lost reference in this episode. I discovered two, actually. 
Um, the first one, they're both in the same scene. It's when Emma comes back to the apartment after her date with Walsh. And Henry is on level 23 of his video game, uh, 23. Yeah, that's right. Being a number from Lost. And the second one, I actually didn't catch until I read Adam Horitz's um, Twitter feed. But Emma says that Mrs. Q's said Henry was very quiet. And that's that's a reference to Carlton Cuse, who was one of the showrunners for Lost for six years. That's great. <laughs> nice. I love it when they hide these little details in there for us. Well, I feel like I have to give the big theory of the moment over at the forums. Yeah. And this is a theory that we've been working on since before hiatus. And it comes mostly from our user, Wicked Regal, who... <laughs> Yeah, who calls this theory Wicked Sisters. And it is the theory that Regina and the Green Lady are half-sisters. And that the Green Lady, who is probably the Wicked Witch of the West, is the daughter of Cora, but that Cora somehow lost her daughter before the events of the Miller's daughter. Hmm. And almost all of our theorizing over at the forum is pretty much based on this one. I can see some motivation there when you say that, because... Cora was so set on her daughter becoming queen. Maybe part of that is based on her feeling of loss mm-hmm. over her previous daughter. Yep. And that's why the green lady is living inside of Regina's castle. There's this whole green with envy going on that she really wants everything Regina has because she's the eldest daughter, but she didn't get anything from Cora and Regina got everything. That's a good theory. We'll have that link to that in the forums in the show notes for this episode at onespodcast.com slash 133. So before we close this out and let you ladies talk spoilers, I want to remind everyone, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and write a review for us if you haven't already in iTunes or mark some of those other reviews as helpful. Also, check out our new podcast about the TV show Resurrection. It's at resurrectionrevealed.com. And if you watch the TV show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., then you know, and if you've seen any of the recent Marvel movies, then you know who Agent Coulson is. And our Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast over at WelcomeToLevel7.com got Agent Coulson to introduce the podcast for them. So you've got to check that out on the latest episode over at WelcomeToLevel7.com. But please send us your feedback about each episode of Once Upon a Time and your theories of what's coming send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com. You can also go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message right through the website to us. And we'd love it if you would follow each of us on Twitter. So we'll go down through this in our uh, order and share each of our Twitter names. First, follow the show on Twitter at <laughs> oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Punk Bunny 87 And that does have some underscores in it, too. Yes. Punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Just thought I'd clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> in case anyone finds the wrong one. And until next time, I don't want to freak you out. But you should know, I don't run from monsters. They run from me. (laughs) And thanks for listening.
Once is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast, especially to audiblepodcast.com slash once. If you'd like to donate to contribute to an episode of Once Podcast, go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Okay, hi, Oncers. It is now the spoiler section for the Once Podcast. I'm Hunter. I'm Jacqueline. And let's get going. So next up, we have episode 13, Witch Hunt. It is written by Jane Epsonson and directed by Guy Furland. And according to ABC, Emma arrives in Storybrooke with Henry and reunites with her friends and family, only to discover that no one remembers how they were transported back or the past year they had spent back in fairytale land. But Emma is sure that someone in town is responsible for this new curse and teams up with Regina in an attempt to uncover their identity. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was during the past year, Regina, with the aid of Robin Hood, attempts to break into her castle, which has been overtaken by the Wicked Witch. So it looks exciting. It does. I like that Emma and Regina are going to team up. I was kind of suspecting Emma to just suspect Regina straight off. So I like that they're going to work together. Yeah, and according to all of the the guest uh, appearances, I guess you'd say, uh, co-starring all of the dwarfs are back, so that's kind of fun. I love seeing all seven of them. Me too. And let's see. I also read that this episode, we're going to learn this episode, the Dark One's fate will be heavily explored. So hopefully we'll get to find out what happened to Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, hopefully nothing too bad. But from future spoilers, it does look like the witch has him. Ooh, I hadn't seen that. I don't know why I didn't see that. There were some filming pictures, and these are all over at our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Um, There's going to be a big confrontation a couple episodes down the road, and it looks like the witch has Rumpelstiltskin and his dagger. Ooh. Well, I do know episode 14 isn't the tower, so maybe he's up there. Possibly. There has to be a tower in the castle, because there's always a tower. So, okay, do you have any casting news? I do not have any casting news. I do have a bit of information about the upcoming episode, 313. Okay. Um, according to Matt Medovich over at TV Line, he put this spoiler out yesterday, I believe. The Wicked Witch, whose name is Zelina, will mm-hmm. be in Storybrooke, and she is going to be a midwife. A midwife? And... Yeah, oh, if maybe you've, for snow. Yeah, if you've seen the promotional pictures for this episode, there is a very creepy one where Zelina has her hand on Snow's pregnant belly. Ooh, don't want to think about that. Yeah, doesn't sound very good. Yeah, um, let's see. I did see that, well, if you look at the promo that came out right after the episode and has been playing all week, it looks like there's a flying monkey attack and... Um, I'm guessing it's back in the fairy tale land, and it looks like it takes little John away. Yeah, that's what I think. And then there's people being turned into flying monkeys. So I did, which is great. <laughs> yeah, but how does it, and who gets to chosen to be turned into a flying monkey is going to be fun. And I saw it's a wicked. She, uh, the wicked witch might be have a wicked magic, and she's going to be flying on a broomstick. Yeah, the. Promotional pictures for this episode show 
um, a confrontation between Regina and the Wicked Witch inside of Regina's castle. And it looks like we're going to see some broom flying and also some more something involving blood. Because Regina looks to be pricking her finger on a needle. Ooh. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, there was an interview that um, Lana Perella did. And it says that there was... she says there's some real deep-rooted issues there with this Zelina character. It manifests in jealousy. It comes out in envy. But there's some deeper issues there that I can't share with you. So I'm going to guess that that means that they're related somehow. I think so. And if you watch the promo that they've been airing for this episode, I think they've met before because Regina does say you should have stayed in Oz. But then the Wicked Witch replies with, you really have no idea who I am, do you? So I think they've met before, but Regina right now is ignorant about their family relation. Right. So, okay. Well, like, we don't have any casting news this week. I did see some interviews with Eddie Kittis and Adam Horowitz. They would love to have Pan back, but maybe it would not this season. Jamie Chung would love to come back as Mulan. And we might have seen the last of Ariel. Because Joanna Garcia-Swisher has gotten the lead in another ABC drama. Yeah, she did. But we do know that she's in episode 17, uh, Mm -hmm. The Jolly Roger, with Prince Eric. Right. I'm just talking about more in the future. (laughs) Right. Well, speaking of that, both David Anders and Rose McIver have been picked up for the CW's show I, Zombie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rose is actually going to be playing the lead in that show, so... It's possible that we're going to lose those two as well. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah. You get so attached to these characters. I know. <laughs> so, let's see. Do I have anything else? That's all I really have, except for some big news. I did see a title for episode 20. Did you yeah, see it? I did. Kansas. Total Oz episode. Yes, it's I think it's going to be a huge Oz episode. I wonder if they'll do it in black and white, because that'll be really cool. I kind of hope so. I think that would be a nice callback to the 1939 movie. I think that's it. I mean, there were some set photos of um, Henry learning to drive. I did see those. Yep. That were, which I just think is weird because he's like 12 or 13. So why is he learning to drive? Well, yeah. And there's some debate over whether he's learning to drive or if he's really angry because Charming appears to be trying to stop him as if he's jumping in the car trying to take out the keys or something. Mm-hmm. So I also saw that this rest of the whole of this season is also more of a whodunit mystery because with them not knowing their memory from the past year, it, they're trying to figure out what's going on. So I think that's going to be like the backstory for the rest of the season. I think so too. And there was an interview with Colin O'Donohue and Jennifer Morrison at TV Fanatic where they said that it takes quite a while for the whole story to really be revealed but in the process it's very eerie and creepy yeah i can't wait i love creepy things yeah it's gonna be supernatural in a different adult way more with a horror film vibe Mm-hmm. okay well that's all we have for you today oncers i'm hunter you can follow me on twitter at bit of pixie dust i'm jacqueline and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87 okay until next week <laughs> <laughs>